The League of Legends betting podcast is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash gelati lol. There you can find bonus content like in-depth articles on macro trend analysis and league previews, as well as thoughts on breaking news and the podcast picks before the show is released to platforms. You also get to support your creators more directly. Patreon.com slash gelati lol. That's G-E-L-A-T-I-L-O-L. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Monday. Uh, For those of you in the States, happy President's Day. I hope you have off of work or half day or something. Not everybody does, but uh, hopefully you do and you're enjoying your day off. I'm actually recording this recap very early in the morning, a little bit before the LPL starting up. It's about 3 o'clock a.m. on Monday, uh, February 19th. I said yesterday that I was going to be recording the recap for the Sunday games on Monday's episode, and I'm here to do that right now. We're going to start off with just I'm going to start off with the one that's gonna that I have the most to say about, and it's not good stuff. But uh, we'll start off in the LPL with Thunder Talk against Rare Adam. Man, oh man! <laughs> so this is like one of those examples of like a, a series where neither team really wins, and is another example of why you don't back overpriced favorites that aren't elite teams coming off of a break. You know, I, I had some concerns about how TT looks before this break, and yeah, the series kind of delivered. First game was pretty even through 25 minutes. First Baron fight really blew things open. Shaoshu had a really, really good showing on Darius. I absolutely love this counter pick. I wish we'd see it more than we've been seeing it. It's really good against Kasante and Udyr, who are like the top two top laners right now. I don't think it's like something that you can just run out there blind, but it's it's very, very good, and I wish more teams would play it. You know, the funny thing about this one is that Rare Adam, Rare Adam ended up not really getting anything with their first Baron. And it kind of turned into a marathon game where it went all the way to Infernal Soul. TT ended up getting said Infernal Soul and a Baron of their own, and they ended up methodically ending the game with it, despite a good opening from Rare Adam. Um, That will become a theme through this series. Game two, we basically had nothing happen for the first 10 minutes. Then it kind of exploded with Asim picking up a double kill on Callista on a ward bait play in the bottom lane. Uh, Rare Adam were able to blow out about a 2,500-ish gold lead in the first 16 minutes or so of this game. And, um, you know, they made one minor error setting up the Soul Dragon at some point in this game. But it did end up, it ended up baiting TT into an overcommittal into the river. Vikla ended up getting a quadra kill on Akali, and the game was basically over from there. Um, the thing is, though, like, and you'll see this pop up once in a while. I was actually talking about it last week. So in this game, Rare Adam had like a super low range composition. They had Callista, Akali, Zinshao, Aatrox, and I forget who the support was. They didn't really have a carry that could safely hit a tower. So they couldn't really win with a Baron Siege. They just kind of had to like win fights really hard. Like they had to get like clean aces on fights to actually win the game with this. And they couldn't really do that. So they didn't really get an inhibitor with their Baron. And they ended up, they ended up having to like just bait this game out until there was an elder fight and they had to you know pull them pull TT into an elder fight to get an ace um it's weird <laughs> they ended up getting like a three for one in the fight but then they didn't stop hitting the, the Baron and they never killed Beishwan. so Beishwan was actually like able to get in there and and rare Adam just burger flips the elder dragon which is just so so stupid like they're ahead in this game it's one of the only ways you could lose. They they should have been taking inhibitors or taking a tower and then resetting to fight again, but you know they they did end up picking off the two stragglers that they didn't kill and it wasn't a true burger flip. I mean they they flipped it, but they won the they won the smite fight. Um, yeah, just again more 
<laughs> more for um, foreshadowing for what's to come. Game three, um, it was looking like Rare Adam kind of just nickel and dimed their laning advantage into a lot of tower plates, and they picked up two dragons. They had a pretty good gold lead. I think it was like 2,500, 3,000 gold in the first 15, despite only picking up one kill. The thing is, they didn't really balloon their lead, which is a problem that we've been seeing, particularly with bad teams. Um, so TT actually, like, Rare Adam go to set up for the third dragon, right? And T were just like, no, we're just gonna we're just gonna go Baron. And RA had no no idea. Like they had no idea. They weren't ready for it. So TT just got like a free Baron. Um they brought the gold back to even. They ended up taking that, like, got the Baron fast enough that they were actually able to contest the fourth dragon fight, like right then and there. Um They had like at that point they had like a small lead, but it was like kind of like negligible because Rare Adam had the, the three dragons stacked up already. Um, they ended up going directly to this fourth dragon fight from the Baron Pit. TT won that dragon fight, and at that point, it looked like they kind of turned the game. But then eventually, Rare Adam just pulled the same trick on them. TT committed too many of their resources toward the Baron. Rare Adam, Rare Adam ended up getting a free Baron, more or less. And <laughs> like this, this is a weird game. Neither of these teams are good, and it shows big time. Uh, you know, eventually, so RA get the Baron, they lose a flight while they're using their Baron to siege the bottom lane, which stopped that siege. The game comes down to another another stalemate. Uh, eventually, this gets to a sixth dragon, and RA win a pretty close fight on the back of uh, Shashu's Aatrox and a huge Orion ult from Vikla. You know, Thundertalk still had, like, a small, a small gold lead, but, like, with all the stats and everything, it was basically negligible at this point in the game. Like, that late, it doesn't really matter. But it just goes to show you, like, this was... The, nobody was really in the advantage here. Uh, they ended up going directly to Baron from that. The ensuing fight, there was, like, an extremely close, but uh, ultimately a three-for-one in Rare Adam's favor. Rare Adam, once again, decide to keep on the Baron and burger flip it. Beishwan actually gets the seal this time, unlike the one in the Elder in the other game. And the circus just keeps going. Like, this game ended up being 40-plus minutes. Um, they They ended up... There's even more stuff in this too. Like so, so Beishwan steals the Baron. He had one member with it, right? Um, TT win a fight in the mid lane. They overstay for the fight again. They're sieging mid inhib with the Baron. They get chased out. They still didn't have an inhib. They rotate the top to seize that, and then tried to meet the mid wave when the super minions got there to try to end the game. But Rare Adam threw like the most predictable teleport hail mary with Aatrox. So they throw the Hail Mary with Aatrox. He teleports behind them. It's going to be a teleport flank, and it's going to be win the game or lose the game right right here, right? So he teleports in, and then nobody on his team follows up. They just let Shaoshu die. He's like a fed Aatrox. They just let him die, and this is like their base defense. So he dies. His GA gets popped. What ends up happening, though, is like, Vikla eventually just says, like, fuck it, I'm not losing this game. He ended up, like, getting in there, getting a really, really big Oriana ult, like, once they piled on from the GA. And they ended up winning the fight and then eventually winning the game. Like, this is... Like, Rare Adam throws the Hail Mary. They throw their Aatrox teleport flank. Then they just don't follow up on it. <laughs> they literally just let him die. And they still ended up getting the win in this one. It was just, like... This was a bad, bad match. Like, th this was one of those series that nobody really, really won. And I didn't watch this live, or I would have been talking so much shit on both these teams. 
But this was a bad look. This was a bad series from both teams. Good series from, like, Vikla and Xiaoshu specifically. And I guess Beishuan kind of. But, like, as teams, these teams look bad. And, you know, I was a little concerned with Thunder Talk. They had a couple good, impressive-looking games, but I think they're just bad. I think I, I think maybe I was wrong. Or, or, I don't know, maybe they're just super inconsistent. But they were bad today. And, yeah, I don't know. I guess I should have backed Rare Adam, but that makes me want to vomit too. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was that match. Sorry I spent five minutes or eight minutes or whatever talking about this dog shit series, but it was, it was just too comical not to. Um... The other matches in the LPL, we had Ultra Prime against Ninjas in Pajamas. Ninjas tried really hard to fuck around in this series, and they went a little too hard. And actually, they actually dropped a game in this series. I'm still a little concerned with how shaky they look against the bad teams, but then they've like looked good against the good teams, so maybe they're, that's just their identity as a team, is that they're going to play up against good teams and you know play down to their competition otherwise. But this also could have just been like them coming off of the break, like first match coming off the break, little rust, little little you know, odd, odd vibes or whatever. Sometimes like it's, it's like I've been saying the first, first match or two off the break sometimes is a little funky. We got the dub, but it wasn't pretty. Um, OMG versus anyone's legend was the other one. Uh, this probably should have been a two, one OMG win. Um, both the first two games were kind of lopsided one way or the other. OMG had, it wasn't like an egregious throw or like an unforgivable punt or whatever. But OMG had a pretty sizable lead at around the first, like, 15 minutes or so. And they had a good scaling composition in Game 3. They were probably, like, 75-80% to win this game. And then just ended up... Abel just fucked up a couple times, getting a little too aggressive on Samira. Hope ended up getting just immensely fed on Lucian. And, you know, anyone's legend also had Karma, who's just insanely busted on this patch, as we all know by now. I don't know, this series kind of went how we thought it was going to go. CK, honestly, there wasn't too much to talk about. Um, Nongshim versus Brion. Nongshim absolutely dominated both games. Uh, one took a little bit longer, but Brion just went right back, turned right back into a pumpkin. Like, they just had zero punch. Nobody tried to make anything happen. Like, the one thing I liked about them in their last series is that they actually were, you know, showing someone signs of life and, and actually throwing punches and stuff. This one, they just got kind of dominated. And if they're getting dominated by Nongshim, I think this team might just suck. And we saw maybe... Maybe the one good series we're going to see from them until proven otherwise. T1 Fear X. Um, Caria. T1, T1 are starting to get a little bit disrespectful, I think. And maybe this was just the opponent they were facing. Maybe they let Caria hang around in the in the chemistry lab a little bit too long with this one. He pulled out the Ezreal support in game one. And really, like, the way that game started, they probably should have lost that game. Like, Fear X, if, if you took the nameplates off these teams, Fear X were probably, like, 90% to win game one and, and fucked it up just because their mid-game transition, like, macro is not very good. It's not very clean. They make a lot of mistakes in transition that let teams back in games, and that's kind of, like, one of the downsides to them. That's, that's why they're a mid-table team. Um, I think they actually have the talent to hang, but they, they are a little bit sloppy. And you just can't be sloppy in the LCK. So, yeah, I don't know. T1 punished that, and then they just kind of got routed in game two. Um, yeah, I don't know. T1 might be on clowning around a little too much for their own good alert. Like, if they try that against a team like Kwangdong or, like, Hanwha even, like, I think they could get punished for it. But, like, yeah, they got away with one here. And the afternoon, we had G2 versus Mad Lions, the winter finals for the LEC. This was a really, really entertaining match. Uh, I got to see the first two games live before I got pulled away for what I had to do. Um, I had to rewatch the third and fourth games. 
Uh, game one, G2 played like a modified 1 3 1 pick composition with like a Knight Top, a Kali, Vi, Twisted Fate, uh, physical, like AD Twisted Fate, and then a Senna Nought bot lane. Mad ended up going like full ham wombo combo with like a top lane Yasuo Jungle Zack, which got flexed. To, it, they were showing Rel, they flexed the Rel to support, last picked Zack, and played Varus. So it was like a 1 3 1 versus a wombo comp, sort of. Um, Mad just pulled off just one of the most psychotic dives that I saw, like that I've seen so far this year in the first like six minutes of this game. Pulled off just an absolutely psycho bot dive, and I don't know, like right from that first play, you kind of knew that Mad would just be full sending it for this series. I absolutely love the confidence this team has. They're, they're you know, they're a little sloppy, they're a little green, but you gotta love the confidence they show. Um. What ended up happening, though, is, like, there was another fight a couple minutes after that that initial dive. And, you know, Frescaui ended up picking up a triple kill on Oriana, and they ended up blowing out this huge gold lead. And really, I, I thought this game was just over from that point forward. They had, like, it was, like, a 3K lead at, like, nine minutes or something. That's, like, a 99%er. They tried to throw this back. Um, they overstayed. Um, so G2, G2 ended up... Um, making a play on top, getting a kill with the Vi up top. And then Mad just took that as a cue to you know, take it to bottom lane and have a free dot, like free tower bottom lane, which is normally correct. But G2 were so far down in this game that they correctly identified that, hey, they just need to contest everything. Like, it's this game's not going to get better unless they, unless they, you know, introduce some variance to it. So they actually contested this bot dive. Um, this was around the 11-minute mark, and they ended up, actually catching mad like they they overstayed they got a little bit too aggressive um this actually let g2 back into the game and it was it, it was kind of just a mistake on their part like they ended up winning this game anyway but they they sort of lost control um they this was like a 99 percent or game and they kind of like threw a little bit of it back to make it like a 60 40 again or a 70 30 and you know this ended up being like a 39 kill bloodbath but like mad did end up winning it but that kind of that kind of like over aggression, you just got to keep an eye on because if it becomes too much of a habit, then teams can punish it. Uh, game two, Mad ended up running like a similar team composition, but uh, G two just kind of stuffed the early game, and this was one way traffic. They just stomped this one. Game three, pretty even through twenty. Um, G two kind of playing damage control. Um, I say control, like, they were playing, like, the control deck if you're a card gamer. I know LS likes to drop that kind of stuff all the time. But, like, they were playing, like, a control deck against the aggro deck. They just needed to wait for them to, you know, get rid of all the cards in their hand and then take over them with card advantage. And that's what ended up happening. They, they Mad ended up running, like, a like a Rumble, Belveth, Talia trio, which is kind of cool. And they had some scaling with the Rel bottom lane, but G2 just... They didn't have a clean answer to like what G2 had going on, which was a cannon in the top lane. They had no way to keep him out of things. So Broken Blade got some massive, massive cannon ults in this game, and they didn't really have a clean way to keep him out of fights. So he just got these huge, huge... like They just were able to leverage the fact that he's they're going to have to clump up to fight, and he was just able to threaten just huge ultimates, and it ended up being too much. Uh, good work from Broken Blade, by the way, there. Game four, kind of back and forth, bloody affair for the first 20 minutes, a lot of trading kills back and forth, but G2 eventually capitalized on a big fight prepping for the Baron, and then they ended up flipping that Baron into the end of the game, more or less. This mad team is really, really fun. They 
get a little bit ahead of themselves sometimes, but once they learn how to kind of measure their aggression and keep using the creativity that we've seen from them in drafts, I really think they're live to contend for a championship again. Um, I do expect Fnatic will probably be a little bit better. I think BDS, it was the unfortunate with the, with the, the whole Adam thing, but as we're starting to learn about and read about now, there might be more going on there. I'm not going to bother speculating about that as nothing infuriates me more than that shit. But you know, BDS have their issues too. So I, I, if Mad ends up being like your second best, your 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 third tier one team, that's kind of cool. But G two kind of showed you today why they're still the class of Europe. So yeah, um, really entertaining set of matches Sunday. It wasn't all good League of Legends, but it was it was entertaining. All right, moving on to recapping Monday morning's LPL slate. We had JDG taking a two one win off of LGD after losing game one. Uh, LGD. It was wild. They um, did a really, really good job in this first game of cross-map trading and staying ahead on gold despite feeling like JDG were the aggressors. They had the control composition. They had the center Nautilus set up. They were going to win if this scaled up as long as they didn't make any mistakes, and they knew that, and they took their time with it and did a great job controlling the game. Honestly, it was a very, very impressive showing from LGD like as a team. There was a pretty big mistake that I thought they were going to lose the game off of. Um, Xiaoye, um, when they were doing the Baron, Xiaoye had just really piss-poor positioning on Senna, and he knew exactly where the enemy team was, but I guess he just like kind of like lost focus or lost concentration on it. Got himself into a position to get killed. Got himself killed even with his flash up. I, I just he, he put himself in the no-man's land next to the pit and the wall, and there's just like nowhere to run after that, and you, there's not a great flash way to flash out of it either so I thought they were going to kind of lose this game one after it being pretty much unlosable for them but they did end up bringing it back and winning the game uh game two was a complete route for JDG game three also was so not too much to say there LGD continued to impress me I think this team might actually be pretty good and I never in a million years thought I'd be saying that because they were a team that I thought were Probably going to be one of your worst teams. I really didn't like this roster very much at all, but they're playing very, very well. Um, like as a team, they've they have pretty solid macro for the most part. Like especially in the first fifteen minutes of the game, and if they're going to end up playing a lot of these coin flip kind of games, I think they're going to be interesting as an underdog play. Uh, second, we had EDG Edward Gaming against Team WE. Edward Gaming threw just a they had like a forty five hundred gold lead around the 24, 25 minute mark, which is enough, like it's, it's statistically significant. Like they should have won, you know, you're going to, you're going to win 95 plus percent of the games where you have a lead that large. And it wasn't like they were at a massive scaling disadvantage either. They just straight up fucked up. Cause this team is still, uh, they, they should have won this first game. And then the second game team WE just like stomped them as one way traffic, Really, really frustrating loss. Um, we had the plus one and a half map. Seeing EDG lose that first map was really, really frustrating. But, you know, that's what happens when the team's not good. So it is what it is, I suppose. We ended up down uh, 1.068 units on the day. Um, kind of a bummer. We couldn't get that EDG cover home or we would have been in the in the green. Moving on to Tuesday morning's LPL slate week four, day three. Remember, this is an eight-day week. Um, it's day three of uh, starting on Sunday for a change. Um, we have Fun Plus Phoenix, plus 488 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at plus 143, minus 1.5 at plus 1214. 
against LNG Esports, minus 708 on the money line. The minus 1.5 maps is at minus 175. Uh, no significant lineup changes for either of these teams. FPX are running the Milky Way version of the lineup. All projected price for this made fun plus favorites, but I'm going to touch on that in just a second. Like... I guess I'll just get to it right now. So Fun Plus really haven't faced anybody good. They've they've played against mostly like middle other their colleagues in the middle of the table on the and bottom half teams. They have not faced one of the top five teams yet in the league. Uh, really, I don't think they've faced one of the top seven teams, depending on who we think is in the top seven right now. But they really haven't played anybody, and that's important to remember when considering the fact that LNG faced an, a murderer's row right before the break. They faced uh, Weibo, JDG, and BLG in a row across in just five days, and that's per- that is a wicked, wicked span, and that's kind of tainting their numbers here. So the the public models that I use, I have a separate one that I use for, that like weights team strength, but it's like it's pretty sketchy sometimes about this stuff. But it gives me like a relative basis to base things on. I mostly do this through a qualitative lens. Um, but the public models I use are strictly performance data. It's not opponent adjusted or anything. It is it is win and loss adjusted, but it's not it's not like strength of schedule weighted. So I have a separate thing for that. But this is this is an interesting spot because because you have one team that's faced a very very difficult schedule and another team that's faced a ridiculously easy schedule. So with that in mind, this is still another example of a super heavy handed favorite coming off of a break. You know, I, I think LNG are ultimately going to be one of your elite teams. I think right now they actually think they look better than than JDG do at the moment. Um, obviously, they've just faced a much harder schedule, and including JDG, by the way, who who it was a two one series that was a good one. But um, I, I think they're going to end up being like a top two or three team. Probably, it's just that you know we've they've they faced a much tougher schedule here. So to me, like. Most realistically, I think LNG are probably going to end up winning this 2-0, but I think it's likely that it's going to be a lot closer than the current market price for this series is, so we need to kind of figure out the best way to play the underdogs here. What do we know about Fun Plus Phoenix? Fun Plus have been kind of like the the best example across the, the four majors so far of like a win-fast, lose-fast team. Like they play fast, they're sloppy, they don't play good defense, they either get run over or they do the running over. LNG, it's sort of been the opposite. Um, they've been getting really, really good starts in games. As a matter of fact, they picked up first blood in the first, in six in a row, uh, their last six matches. But they still tend to be more of a methodical close it out, you know, reduce the amount of errors that can happen kind of team. Um, so when you have a binary outcome like this where it's like you have two teams that are, you know, on polar opposites of the time total spectrum or the uh, time total correlated markets like, you know, dragons over and barons over and stuff like that, I don't usually like picking a side unless I think there's a, a certain game script that's going to happen. But, um, you know, they're, it's like a correlated outcome, right? Like, I think the maps that FPX are going to win, they're going to run away with the early game and just run the game over early. And I think LNG are probably more likely to be a little bit slower. I know the time total for this was set at 28.5 at the square books, but none of the sharp books are floating anything right now. Over is kind of interesting there. 28.5 is very, very low. Even for FPX, that's low. To me, the better way to play this is the kill spread for FPX. Um... Both these teams have been under teams. Uh, it hasn't been true in like their literal results, like versus the kill spread. But like generally speaking, um, their projections have been lower than the market. And I think like in most of their games, like if you look at averages, it's not com- it's it's coming out above. But the percentage of games that are landing under and over is most of them are coming out, you know, uh, below these low these these kill totals. So 
and again, that has to do with like how they play. Like LNG are pretty methodical. They're not sloppy. They're not. They're going to keep the game very controlled. And FPX are usually going to lose pretty quick, which means there's le- there's usually one or two fewer fights, and that's that. Like going to get aced and lose kind of kind of a team. You have two underlooks. Big kill spreads are very very appealing. Just like you have, just like total uh, kill spreads, like big kill spread or big spreads are good in like an NFL game with a low total, like. Covering 13 and a half with a total of 36 and a half is a lot harder than covering, you know, 13 and a half with a total of 47 or something. So there's very, very little margin of error for the favorites. And I like the fact that we're getting a huge kill spread like this at close to even money coming off of a, um, oh no, the next one's even money. Sorry, I crossed that up in my head. But we're, we're getting, we're getting a huge kill spread on, on a team coming off of a break and FPX are going to have side selection for maps one, two, one and three. So you could play one and three. I just played one, so I played fun plus plus eight and a half kills at minus one twenty seven for one unit. I'm also playing the tower total over in this. I haven't played a whole lot of these, but this is getting to be a pretty ridiculous price. So I played maps one and two over twelve and a half towers at plus one seventy six for one unit each. Um, FPX have actually been going over this total in like more than half their games, and um, LNG are pretty close to like the the implied market odds on it for theirs as well. So I think there's there's enough of a divergence there that you can take a shot and you really only need to connect on one of those. Second match tomorrow is Invictus Gaming plus 961 on the money line. The plus 1.5 maps is at plus 233. The minus 1.5 is at plus 1977. Against Billy Billy Gaming, minus 1701 on the money line. Minus 1.5 maps at minus 296. Big, big, big favorites here. So Billy Billy, um, actually, I guess I should talk about this before. Um, Invictus are starting Leon. They picked up Leon over the break, and I think this is probably like longer, like medium to longer term, uh, just a massive upgrade. I think Leon's probably been one of the most underrated players in the league. I I legitimately consider him one of the best junglers in the LPL. He's just been on kind of dog shit teams for his entire career, and um, he's particularly good at some of the stuff that gets played right now too like and he has a couple pocket picks like his all the AP champions that he plays in the jungle that I think are going to be kind of interesting and provide some draft wrinkles for Invictus here but generally speaking I just think he's been like one of the most underrated players in the league over the past few years and you know he's I don't think he's getting onto a contending team all of a sudden here but this does provide a pretty massive upgrade to me I'm not entirely sure how much that's going to matter right away like near term like in their first matches here but an upgrade's an upgrade it's just gonna i think it's just a it's a nice addition for them so keep that in mind that said this is a really really tough test um he has to face the current best team in the lpl um blg are incredible uh so far anyway they've been you know they have Every every measure you could possibly come up with, they're either the best in the league by a by margin, or and the ones that they're not, they're still top tier in. Their agnostic economy is currently second best all time, only to Damwon 2020, and it's like better than JDG at their peak last year, which is incredible. Now, obviously, it's a small sample size so far, but it's not like they've had a cakewalk schedule either. Like they're doing this against some good teams too. Um, I mean, I've said it already. I think, you know, this team looks like a, a wagon straight up. They they just look like a complete house at the moment. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they look like coming off the break. But as we've kind of seen, like some of these big favorites are very vulnerable coming off the break here. You know, I, I really don't like Invictus. I think they've been kind of, 
I don't know. They've been more or less exactly what I expected them to be. But I think there's enough talent, like talented players on this team. And, you know, this this curveball of like having to suddenly like prepare for Leon out of nowhere. Um, maybe not out of nowhere. They probably knew about it. But the the idea of having to like suddenly prepare for him is maybe an edge for Invictus, at least right away. Now, I, I, Invictus have been kind of one of those teams that jump out to leads and then don't know what to do. So I think that could end up happening here. But we're getting plus 9.5 kills at minus 104. I know Billy Billy look like one of the best teams in the world right now. But this is, again, coming off of the break. You want to fade big fa- – or you don't want to lay chalk with big favorites coming off of the break. I have a feeling we're going to see this first game is going to be like Invictus jumping out to a lead with a with an, you know a well-practiced early game script and then probably bungling it at some point in the mid-game or the transitional game and losing it. But in games like that, you absolutely love big kill spreads because you're going to cover in in any any kind of game state that's remotely close to that. You're going to cover a lot of time. Invictus also have side choice for map one in this one as well. So if there's going to be a good start, it's it's again that same concept of if you're going to take uh, if you're going to take shots on some underdogs here, like the favorites are most vulnerable when they're coming off of a off of a break like this because it sort of forces parity into a situation where Invictus are going to be about, like at least the game plan is going to be as as polished as it's going to be because they've had extra time to prep for it without distraction. And it's, in theory, it basically, you know, condenses the, the quality difference between teams more than it does at any other point in the season unless there's like a massive patch change or, you know, it's the same effect you see like coming off of, uh, like coming into a new split, like between spring and summer. So it's not quite that extreme, but I think this is a good enough spot and you're getting plus nine and a half kills. I like Invictus to cover the kill spread here. It's going to be it for today. I will see you all tomorrow.